Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. And if it's your first time, good to have you here. This is one full moon and a tequila at a time. A podcast filled with authentic conversations. Unpacking life one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Mamudina. Remember, vulnerability won't kill you. Always choose love. Grab a seat. This is your table. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the One Full Moon and Tequila podcast. Today, I have a special guest coming all the way from the UK, but it's also such an important day in South Africa. It's Heritage Day. And um, my guest is going to give you a little introduction about herself, but she's actually from South Africa. She'll tell you what her heritage is, what is she doing in London, when she moved to London, and her name is Debo Horampele. Um, just before we start, Deboha, I just want to check. Um, so this is one full moon and a tequila at a time. So I have my shot ready. I know that side is not a holiday. So are you going to take a shot of water, coffee? <laughs> <laughs> what, what will you have to cheers uh, <laughs> after my interview? I mean, I have some water with me. Fact, which I can take a sip of now. You yeah. Know. <laughs> so cheers, cheers, cheers. Heritage Day, an important day. day. Let's down it, down the hatch. <laughs> okay, so please introduce yourself, um, who you are, and again, start with your heritage and when you moved to London and what are you doing in London? Okay, so hi, everybody. Um, I'm from Africa, born and bred in Johannesburg, and uh, I am in London. Okay, my heritage, my parents, well, my dad's Betty and my mom's Sue, so I guess I'm Betty. And um, yeah, I am a ballet teacher. I live and work in London, and my whole thing is that I work very hard to champion the cause that diversity in ballet is very important, regardless of your race, what you look like, your body type, ballet is for all. And that's something I'm very, very passionate about. And uh, yeah, I dance and I teach in London. Oh, and I've been here for so nine years. Uh, yeah, going on nine years, which is crazy when I say that. But yeah. Nine years. So you're basically a citizen mm. now, if you've been there for almost a decade. I am a citizen, yeah. So after like after you get your residence bits, if you live here for five years, then you apply for citizenship and then you become a citizen. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Oh wow, that's great. So just a quick one. Um now, have you let go of your South African citizenship or are you allowed to have a dual citizenship? I'm allowed to have dual citizenship. I have dual citizenship. Okay. So when I got my British citizenship, I had to apply and pay to keep my citizenship, which is interesting, isn't it? Like, <laughs> if you're born in a country, you're a citizen your whole life. Yeah. And then if you want to take on another citizenship, you have to pay to stay. Okay. I found that quite interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. 
thanks for being with us. And you did say thank you are uh, Betty Hoff Sutu. Oh, and you're a ballet dancer. So obviously, if you're Betty Hoff Sutu, she is a person of color, black person. And she's in London and in the ballet space, you know. So that's very different. Um, I, I would like to, I guess my viewers or my audience would like to know, how did you get into ballet? Is it something that you always wanted to do since you were young? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when I was young, I did all sorts of dancing. So when I was like four, I started doing modern dancing, tap dancing, dancing, dancing. I did all the dancing, me and my sister. And um, I never did ballet. And it's interesting, ballet is always sort of on offer, but I never for me. And it was only till I was older that I realized why I actually never thought it was for me. But for some reason, I just didn't feel like I was going to fit into that world, you know. So um, I carried on anyway, danced. Then I stopped dancing at like end of high school. I was just always in and out of dance. And then went to university, didn't dance at all. Um, and then when I moved to London, I just needed a change. I needed like a hobby, you know, just something. Also, because after I graduated from studying, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it was kind of like not a nice time, you know. You know, and after you've graduated and you feel like you're supposed to, like, have all your ducks in a row, you're like, yes. this is my plan, you know. And I still didn't really feel like I knew what I wanted to do at all. So it was actually quite depressing. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to ask, can you tell us what you studied in varsity? Oh, yeah. So in varsity, I studied psychology, sociology, and philosophy. So when I started studying, I actually felt like I wanted to be a psychologist. I was like, I, def I wanted to help people. That is what I wanted to do. And I felt like that would be a good way to do it. And I was very, very interested in psychology, you know, and I still am. I think it's really interesting and great. But like most things, until you really dive into that world, you don't really know exactly what it is. And then when I was studying it, as I was like approaching the final years, and then I remember I was sitting in my third year lecture, one of the, lecture, uh, one of the lectures, and the lecturer was talking about like, after you finish, these are all the things you need to do to become a psychologist. And I was like, oh my word, like I'm still so far. Like there's still so much to do. And I was like, I don't think I love psychology this much. Like I definitely am interested in it, but I don't know if I'm willing to go through all of this to be a psychologist. I realized basically my passion wasn't like as deep as, I think you need it to be to become a psychologist you know it's not it's not easy you know you have to be committed to it and so then I was like mm, okay now but now I obviously had this degree which I'm very grateful for I'm very happy so many awesome things came out of you know going to CT obviously made amazing friends like you etc and and also other life skills and things that I take with me but like it wasn't what I wanted to do so then I got to London and I was like oh snap like <laughs> I don't know what I want to do mm -hmm. so I was trying all these different things but it was getting me quite because obviously you start to feel a bit down on yourself because you get fed this lie that like by the time you're 
a certain age, whatever age that is, you're supposed to know everything, you know. And that getting me down is a hobby. And that's when I started ballet. And as I said, I danced. So, but anyway, I started now actually doing ballet. And when I started doing it, I was like obsessed. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever. Like, I just loved it so, so much. I kept going to dance classes and I really, really enjoyed it. And I was really loving it. And then I had this teacher who was very, very supportive at the time. And um, she was not like a very like warm and fuzzy or friendly person but she was very kind very like warm-hearted and everything um anyway so she said to me the one day she like pulled me off the class and she said to me you know you're really good at ballet and she is a highly respected dancer she was a principal like dancer at the royal ballet which is the top like highest level of dancer that you can be so coming from her really meant a lot you know that she said that I was good and uh, she said you're really good and she was like can we go for coffee to discuss what you can do you know with with ballet and I was like wow oh my goodness you know that was so amazing because I was literally just doing this as a hobby I had no intention of doing anything with it and then um so we went for coffee and it was really great she told me all about life and everything and then we started exploring different things that I could do so basically after that, um, oh, I started, because she had that conversation with me, I started looking at jobs just online to see, like, what's out there, you know, just out of literally pure interest. I never thought there's anything I could do, but I was like, let me just see, maybe there is something I can do. And I think it really did, it really was sparked from that conversation. It made me think, no, you can actually do something with this. Yes. And then... When I looked for jobs, I found this job and it was a ballet company for children. So it's like a ballet school Mm -hmm. and they were looking for teachers and they said, you didn't have to have any sort of like teaching experience. Mm -hmm. All they wanted was that, you know, ballet and that, yeah. Oh, and that you like want to work with children. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go for that. They're saying we don't need teaching experience. So so I went for the interview and she was like, yeah, we basically she's had bad experiences with teachers that she's hired in the past because they keep letting her down and they're not doing things the way she wants them to do them. So she said, I'm just hiring people so that I can train them to be teachers from scratch. I was like, oh, that's great. So <laughs> I did that. <laughs> yeah, it was such a blessing, honestly. So I did that job for like a while. And then when I was doing that job, um, oh, the problem with that job was that I was getting paid absolutely like nothing, like pennies, which is understandable because I had no experience. But I was like, you know, I can't just keep getting paid like this, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided I need to go and get formal, like something formal for me to say that A, I know ballet and B, I need to go get some formal qualifications in terms of teaching. Okay. So then, <laughs> such a crazy journey. Just before you carry on, no, I just want to backtrack. So the way you're explaining it. So I forgot to say that the theme of this episode is um, having a seat at the table. So 
Mm. The way you explained it is like, you know, everything, for me, what it sounded like, everything just, you know, worked out. Like, you didn't, like, without effort, without da-da-da-da, it just happened, you know. And knowing the backstory and where you come from and, you know, with the space mm. you were in when you found ballet. And I was actually quite hoping you would tell that story, you know, just to show, like, <laughs> that, you know, even when you're going through something really bad, there could be a blessing in it. So basically a seat uh, at the table really means as, as, as individuals in the areas that we want to be in, how do we affirm ourselves and assert ourselves in those spaces? And I think what mm -hmm. is, sounds so easy, but I know it wasn't that easy for you, is that it clearly shows me that you are meant to be in this um, career. You know, you don't just fall into ballet and then one of the best teachers tells you no. so good let's brainstorm what you can do about it and then you happen to go on google and you search and then you happen to just find this <laughs> ballet school that was just hiring but not you don't really need your qualification so all, everything fell into place uh, and you know i just want to um let the viewers know that this wasn't i don't know I, i'm trying to say like you know this was really for me shows that this was something that you were meant to be doing and um, oh. it's in a oh. space that doesn't celebrate or even you don't even see black people, you know, and let alone no, no. South African in London. You know, there's so many barriers of entry that you had to be exposed to um, on this part. Oh, yeah. So, so Definitely. Yes. So I just well, want to... Just yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Just expand on that. So, like, basically, when I was dancing... Yes, let's backtrack. When I was dancing, you know, um, starting ballet, of course, I was the only black person in the class. And um, with that comes some challenges, especially in ballet, because, for example, when you're doing, it's little things, but it's like, it's microaggressions, really. Like, when it comes to doing shows and all that stuff, there's so much about the ballet world, which is just, they just assume that it's for white people. So for example, they'd be saying that we're going to do this specific hairstyle <laughs> for a show. And I was like, my hair does not do that. Like they would just be like, okay guys, so we're going to do this. And I'd be like, how? I can't do that. Like they were talking about like, okay. So I remember for one of the shows they were like, yeah, let's do our hair like half up, half down. And then we'll have like the long, the, like the hanging part. It must be like flowy. And then it must have like curls. <laughs> I was like, I have natural hair. And if you want me to, if you want me to do all that stuff, then you must pay a lot of money so that I can go and get my hair professionally straightened. Because if you want me to be, have like these flowy locks and they must be like curls and whatever, then like, are you going to finance that? Because that's not cheap. That's like extra money that all these other girls are not going to have to pay for. And other things like, for example, tights. Like, I think, I don't know if you know about the whole debates with the whole ballet tights and ballet shoes. Because throughout history, ballet tights and ballet shoes have been pink. And that's because they match the skin color of white people. Mm. But black people, when you're on, like, your legs are look, supposed to look like they're just your legs, even in your tights, you know? Mm -hmm. So when a black person wears pink tights and pink shoes, obviously they don't look like their legs. Mm -hmm. um, and so there would be all these little things where I had to really like, there were definitely times where I felt like I stood out. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing was that I definitely had times where I was like, 
I just am standing out right now. Like, and that, and that's why so many people don't get into ballet because the world hasn't been, um, I mean, the world of ballet hasn't been welcoming towards them. It's been, it's, it's little things, but it really makes them feel like they don't fit in if you're a person of color or if you have a different body type. I remember one of my teachers, not, not my teacher, the really supportive one, just a random teacher. She always used to say like, Oh, she always used to come to me specifically mm-hmm. and say that I must get rid of the arch in my lower back. And I was like, do you mean my bum? <laughs> and I don't even have, I don't even have a big bum. Like my bum is just like normal size. Yeah. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but because I was the only person in the class with like a slight curve, she was like, yeah, we need to get rid of this. I was like, I can't. You mean like surgery? yeah (laughs) so it was and and also even getting into ballet you know how I said like you know that I just looked for jobs or whatever that was obviously or maybe I didn't say this but that was after having applied for like hundreds of jobs daily Mm. and not literally getting anything back not even like a we've received your application it was just like silence all around and that's when I was like okay at least with ballet it's like slightly niche Mm -hmm. so maybe then I won't be competing with like literally every other person in London for a job you know um and I also feel like with my name it's not like my name is like Susie Smith or something I don't know how those prejudices come into play you know and that's one of those hard things about being you know black is that you always have to question you always have to be like is this discrimination or not you know whereas you know certain other races don't have to even ask themselves those questions you know so you don't even know where your application is going on these piles you're like do they just like put it one side and they're like nah i can't this name is too exotic you know conscious bias and that in in any like that kind of industry so they would see your name hey this isn't firstly this is not even an, a uk surname um and yeah then, oh, gosh i don't know if they were asking you to send pictures with your cv um you know so there's definitely a lot of unconscious mm. that must have been happening you know without a doubt mm. you know um but i so how did you deal with those microaggressions those you know when they were saying do this to your hair did you actually confront oh. them how did you actually deal with them because i can imagine you alone you frustrated um mm. maybe even i don't even know if you're we haven't spoken about this maybe we'll speak about it a bit later if your parents were supportive um so you're oh. a black girl trying to do ballet in london so how did you deal with all those barriers of entry i just I honestly think it's because I was so passionate about ballet and because I loved it so much, I was just like, I'm not going to let this stop me. Mm. I honestly think like if I was doing something that I was kind of even mildly wishy-washy about, maybe I would have been like, maybe this is not worth it for a hobby, you know, to have to come here now and put up with all this stuff, you know? Mm. And I think you should... Ideally, well, firstly, I don't, what I never ever want to do is like blame victims of oppression for the way they react, right? And be like, you should do this and you should react in this way. Because when you are suffering an oppression or people are being like racist or prejudiced towards you, 
you never know how you're going to react. It's just this, it's so layered, you know, there's so many like levels. So in the past, I'd always say to myself, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. But I don't do that anymore. I just react the best possible way I can react in that moment. And I just do my best. So like when that would happen in ballet, because I was so passionate about it, sometimes I would say things Mm -hmm. in a calm way. That's the thing, because you also don't want to, you have to like, it's kind of like, even though ballet is not really like a team sport, it kind of is. You know, it's like you, you, there's like a, you all work together on stage and you all want to put on the best possible performance and you all want to work together. So you don't want to create animosity that will just ruin the performance and then no one's happy. You know, I'm not happy. They're not happy. But I definitely would say, like, for example, to that teacher who would say, I need to remove the arch in my back. I would just say to her, there's nothing I can do about this. (laughs) This is just... (laughs) it's just I just say oh I can't you know I can't remove it it's just what it is and then when they'd say like with the hair I'd just be like oh no I can't do that or I would then call my teacher's side or message her afterwards because I had like a whatsapp and I'd just say listen can I just do my hair like this I'd just come with a different idea and be like I'm gonna do my hair like this is that cool Mm -hmm. and she'd say like yeah yeah that's fine I was like okay good but they just never thought in class. They weren't like, wow, this is a diverse class. Maybe we shouldn't be trying to make them all exactly the same yeah. or say like these blanket things. Like, you know what I mean? They should have had the, the awareness and the sensitivity to be like, everyone in this class is different. Yeah. So let's not paint them all with the same brush. You know what I mean? And especially like, yeah. ballet is such a, I think it is an industry like that where everyone needs to be the same and look the same, especially on stage, like the ballet shows that I've seen everyone is like mm. a, like a play but like everyone is dressed the same your hair's up in a bun you're wearing those pink uh tights mm. and the pink things you know so it's it's a uniform um kind of like take on on on, on dancing so i'm glad that your mm. teachers were, were receptive and they didn't punish you for it or you know discriminate mm. for it at least they were open to learning um, with that yeah. said, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the people in your life? So your friends, your family, how did they feel or how, how did they treat you when you were like, okay, guys, this thing that started off as a hobby, you know, I'm going to now do it full time. My parents honestly have been very supportive. And that is one of like the things that means the most to me is that they've really given me like the space to find what I want to do. And I think it's also because they could see that I was trying, A, I was trying very hard to make different things work. And also B, they could see how it was like making me so depressed that I was I still wasn't like I hadn't found like my thing you know so it's not like I was just sort of lying around like oh I don't know what I do I don't know what I want to do but I was just being lazy I was actually trying to do different things like I had a fashion you know like I had a fashion company and I was really trying hard to, to find something that would work for me so I think when I told them this is what I want to do of course they were like wow that's a bit random (laughs) but I think when they were happy for me that a I found something that I really like wanted to do Mm -hmm. and they were also happy that I was taking it seriously like that I went and I got all my qualifications I applied to BBO I got accepted 
And when I got accepted to BBO, so BBO is the British Ballet Organization. When I got accepted to BBO, that was like, that was like an objective sort of body or company saying, yes, we believe in you, you know, which was nice. It was also nice for me. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, this is just a pipe dream. You know, mm-hmm. I think I'm quite good at ballet or I think I could be a teacher. When they were like, yes, we also believe in you. It was such like a pick me up for me, but also for my parents. They were like, okay, cool. So you can do this. That's good. You're doing it. You must keep doing it type thing. So they were pretty supportive. And I'm very, very grateful for that, honestly. Yeah, that's definitely a blessing, you know. Yeah, Um, yeah. Since you've been in the space, just to give um, the people listening a bit of a sense, how long have you been in ballet now for? So now I've been dancing now for like, since, since I came to London, so like nine years ago, and now I've been teaching for four years. Yeah, I've been teaching for four years. So once I left that first company, the school where I wasn't getting paid enough, then I went to BBO to get my qualifications because I knew once I became a qualified teacher, then at least I could get paid like a, a decent, you know, wage. And um, then, yeah, then I started teaching at way more places. And yeah, I've been doing that now for four years. Yeah. And you teach little children. So I know your passion um, comes in here. Can you tell us a little bit about mm. what is your vision for yourself in this space, especially for black little girls or black little boys? Mm. Well, so yeah, I teach children. The youngest children I teach are two and a half years old, if you can believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I know they are really cute. And it's just so funny because you just never think that someone two and a half years old can dance, but they can, you know, they really can. And, um, they understand a lot. Some of them can barely speak though. I'll say to them like, stand in first position and then they'll understand and they'll stand in first position. And then I'll say to them, say, when I'm teaching them, I'll say, stay first position. And they go like, I'm like, okay, that's good enough. (laughs) So they're really cute. And then the oldest that I teach now are like 12. But my vision long-term is, so as I'm sure you also know, like ballet is such like an elite, it's very like elitist space. So ballet classes are very expensive. Ballets, going to watch ballets are very, very expensive. Yes. And the whole culture of ballet has always been, because it's from like aristocrats. So it was always like royals and mm. yeah, people with like a lot of money and all that stuff, which, which I think is a shame because then people who aren't from, those backgrounds don't get exposed to ballet. And then it's like a cycle, you know, they don't go to watch ballet. So of course they don't put their kids in ballet. And then even when they do, for some reason, see ballet, they don't see any black people on stage. And it just becomes like a cycle of people not feeling like they're welcome in the ballet world and blah, blah, blah. But um, so yeah, my vision, my vision is uh, that long-term, I want to, my biggest dream is that I would love to teach ballet for free. I did that. I taught um, refugees and asylum seekers here in London. Many of them, most of them were from Africa, so northern, like mostly northern African countries. And also 
other like war-torn countries like Syria and Iran and Iraq and oh yeah yeah I did I did I I volunteered at an amazing um like NGO called Aquaba they're based yeah in East London and they do amazing work and one of the things I did well I just found out about them and then I just messaged them and said can I teach ballet and they were like yeah oh my gosh and it was the best experience it was so nice you know because I just can't really see a world in which those children would otherwise ever get the chance to do ballet you know because it's expensive as I said it's very expensive and um so and they loved it they loved it so I would love to do that that's what I want to do so if I could just find a way to just support myself in another way so that I wouldn't have to worry about money Mm. I would love to teach ballet for free just around the world that would be great yeah and yeah, you definitely well, have to come to South Africa, right? And, you know, because yeah. South Africa, there's a lot of people going to, um, they have dancing in their schools. It's still very elite, as you say, like not a lot of people carry uh-huh. on with it. They may have started it when they were in grade two, grade three. I think I remember I was dancing and then you kind of just stop. And it's because of those things, like you <laughs> don't see people like you, or if you become a little bit chubby or whatever it is. So you kind of just don't see it as a, as a career that you can really choose to make money from or to be in as an adult. So I think that's also the important lesson that I'm getting from you is that regardless of your background, as long as you have a passion for something and here in this particular um, as in this particular scenario it's ballet as long as you have a passion for it it doesn't matter when you start and i think the most important thing if you have a support structure that allows you to be yourself and to take those chances on yourself and then most important if you believe in yourself and you go for it and you keep on going for it even when people don't want you to be doing it so like the um the people in the ballet world or people who don't accept you because you're a different color or you didn't start out from when you were young practicing you know all day every day so i really love that and mm. I, that speaks a lot to your personality and i really wish we had like a lot of more time to deep dive into your personality and your character i know it as a friend that that's probably why you are so lucky and blessed in to be in something that you love at this age um but it really does take character to go for the life that you want to live, right? And again, as well as your resources you have and the support structure you have that also help you. And I think for me as well, is that you found something that gives you joy and you just carried on doing it, like fighting for it. And um, with that said, you know, um, what are some of the things um, you've learned about ballet during COVID? Um, in this time where, you know, we've really been on lockdown and I'm sure you weren't exposed to your kids, the ones you're teaching. Uh, How then did you survive COVID under lockdown as a ballet teacher? Well, sorry, before I answer that, I wanted to ask you, Mamti, like, why did you stop doing ballet? Um, <laughs> so I was, doing, <laughs> I was doing it in primary school and... I did yeah. for a few years. I can't, I, I can't say I remember the one reason, but I know like I was very chubby in primary school. But I remember I really did mm-hmm. like it. But I think I was mm. also one of those people who, who I did everything. So I did piano, I did 
the ballet mm. and I did drums and I did recording, the guitar. So I just was jumping and jumping. Mm. But I think also mm. I didn't see a lot of us in that space. You know, I even did tap dance mm. at some point. And it, it becomes, mm. it's expensive to invest in the ballet shoes and, and. So I yeah. think, I think, I think we as a black people just dropped out in the class. And it's not like we said, oh, let's <laughs> yeah. out. It's just that we didn't just stop doing it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Really great for grade five. Um, and then I never went back to it, you know. Um, and I think, again, you don't see it. You don't see that you can dance and you don't see, oh, my word, look how much, oh. what a stunning body you can get if you carry on dancing. <laughs> like, you yeah. Just, Mm. not speaking about it at home you know what i'm saying you're not going to ballet shows you're yeah unless you're at school so i think it was mm. just one of those things yeah yeah because i was gonna say like how do you think it would have been for you like do you think that would have changed you if you'd said gone to ballet shows and if you'd then gone to ballet shows and like seen black ballet dance on stage do you think you would have stuck with it most probably because I did go to ballet shows, but I remember at the time it was white people on stage. So as, as a school would go to the ballet shows at, at the theater and, you know, it would always mm. be white people. So I remember even one time we actually had a performance and I just felt so insecure, you know, because you're mm. surrounded by just white people, white audience. And yes. yeah, so I just, I guess you don't feel safe in that environment and unless it was a true passion maybe i would have pushed but yeah mm. i think even though i went to ballet shows it wasn't black people i think the first time that i saw black people in a ballet show was now as an adult in johannesburg when i went to one of the um, ballet shows and it was a black male yeah. and that was really nice to see wow yeah yeah it's just, yeah that's amazing it's just yeah literally everything i'm just trying hard to change you know I just want little children who are in ballet or who have an interest in ballet I want them to just be black people in ballet and maybe it'll just keep them going you know yes um oh. but yeah yeah so to answer your question about COVID I mean I definitely oh uh, I've definitely missed the children I was like oh you just wonder how they're doing you know you're like I wonder also because <laughs> funny story um, on my last day of term, um, so there's this wonderful little girl in my class who I love so much, and she loves ballet. She's never missed class ever in all the years I've taught her, and she's just amazing. And so we have a prize every term, and I give one child a prize um, who's, you know, tried really hard. And this day so it was basically she was going to win that day she was the star of the term and she was going to get a trophy and everything and so I got to class and she wasn't there and I was like so I asked her friends bear in mind her friends are four okay you can't trust things four-year-olds tell you so this is also when the whole COVID thing started kicking off and it was like right at the beginning so I said to one of her friends I'm like where is you know the child and then her friend said, she's not here, she's sick. I was like, I mean, she's never sick. And even when she's sick, she comes. So I was like, oh, what's, why, what's wrong with her? And then she said, um, she has a virus. So I was like, oh, what kind of, <laughs> yeah. I was like, and this is when, as I said, it just came out. So we were all like terrified of it. Mm. And I was like, what kind of virus? And she just looked at me like she didn't understand my question. 
So I was like, okay, is it like a virus, like coughing and a fever? <laughs> or is it a virus maybe like she's going, you know, to the toilet a lot? Yeah. And she was like, no, it's the first one, coughing and <laughs> fever. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, is it the coronavirus? She's like, yes, yes, it's the coronavirus. I was like, okay. So we carry on with class. Five minutes before the five minutes before like we're supposed to really get going, the girl who apparently has coronavirus walks in. I was like, oh. I was like, but she wasn't looking well. I was like, what is she doing? I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. I was like oh, okay. So I was like, no one hold hands. Nobody hold hands. <laughs> We're just gonna <laughs> just stay away from each other. Then we did the class. And then at the end, she won the prize and I gave it to her. And then she comes and tries to hug me. And she went, you're the best ballet teacher ever. And she tried to hug me. And I was like, no, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> but anyway, it turns out she didn't have the coronavirus. She just had flu. But that's why you can't trust the one-year-olds. <laughs> but yeah yeah I really I really didn't miss them a lot but then I did the online things I created an online course for adults to sell online that's what I did during COVID is it still available to all like adults can you share the information if it is yeah sure so it's on my um, Instagram page it's on my link so my Instagram page is contrast ballet so contrast underscore ballet and in the bio section there's a link so it's absolute beginners ballet for adults you've never done ballet before give it a try um you don't have to be flexible how big your pardon it's like is it free or does it like cost so many pounds or something like that it costs 99 pounds Mm -hmm. so that's about nine so it's like it's 10 weeks Mm -hmm. so 10 classes you meant to do one a week so it's a whole term of ballet Okay. No previous experience required. No, and things, these questions I get asked often, do I have to be flexible? No. Do I need equipment? No. <laughs> you don't need anything. You don't have to be flexible. All you have to do is have the passion and want to give ballet a try, and mm-hmm. that's all you need. That's so awesome. give it a bash. I should, really, I should really try it. You know, I think it's just a nice thing to, like, do. Um, and over time. Yeah. And it's, it's a good investment, isn't it? Definitely. And by the 10th week, you'll see that you've learned so much. And in the 10th week, we do like, you do a dance. So you'll do like a whole ballet dance on the last week. Oh, so wow. it'll be good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, I'll share the, the link. Um, Thank you. Page, and then you guys can find it in the bio. Um, time has run out and I don't want to stop. <laughs> okay. But um, I really enjoy getting to know and speak to a black ballet, young black ballet teacher from South Africa who's pretty, you know, that's that in itself already is like a brand, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> hope yeah. that you found something that gives you joy and it's still giving you joy. And most importantly, that you're getting paid for it, you know, and you are yeah. teaching and changing lives by doing what you love. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've really had so much fun. I feel like I was like talking and talking. That's because I was having <laughs> such a blast. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. I think maybe you might want to think about maybe I bring you back and then we deep dive into your character and personality. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I'm you so keen to come back for sure. 
Yeah, but I really appreciate you taking your time. And once when I have a little girl one day, I hope like I can also encourage her to just dance and just be free and just explore, Aww. you know. Yeah, that would be so sweet. Oh, your little boy. Don't forget your okay. little boy. Oh, my little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be great. I'd love to teach your kids one day, for yeah. sure. Definitely. So thank you so much again. Thanks, and Thank you. Thank you so much. And support her, please. Mm. All right. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Till next time. Bye. Bye.